You are listening to episode 213 of the Mad Chatters podcast, January 30th, 2019. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mad Chatters podcast, your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney universe. I'm Derek, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jeremy. Hey, I want to tell you about this new festival called Firefest that's coming. I think you'd really be interested, Derek. All right, well, if you're listening to this episode on the day it is released, then Jeremy and I are out gallivanting around Epcot. Uh, enjoying the Festival of the Arts, maybe waiting in line to see uh, Heidi Blickenstaff and Gavin Lee perform some Broadway tunes. We might be in the middle of our Behind the Seeds tour. Who knows? Whatever the case, we've been doing a lot of trip planning this week, uh, trying to sync up our schedules. And in doing so, we unfortunately did not have time to put together a full episode. However, we didn't want to leave you listeners with nothing, so we've prepared a few shorter segments, and we're going to record a sort of mini-episode today. Have no fear, though, because we will be back next week with another brand new episode, so even though you might not be getting a full Mad Chatter show this week, you'll be getting two episodes two weeks in a row. It's just like the old days of the podcast. Two Wednesdays in a row. I'm tired already. It's a lot. It's a lot. (laughs) But that's how much we care about our listeners. Or depending on... Who you are, I guess. That's how much we hate you <laughs> as we're putting this out <laughs> so close together. So on today's show, we're going to take a closer look at some of the brand new Disney experiences that debuted this past month, January 2019. And we're going to start by talking about something that's been teased for months now. Actually, I'm not going to start with that. I'm going to talk about something else that's been teased for months now because, Jeremy, I saw that you have a new tattoo i do I, I, yes i do do you want to talk about it yeah i look i'm showing you oh yeah my, i haven't seen here. it in person hold on not that we're in person right now but there we go see it's right there okay it, it's down on my forearm yeah i you know we talked about this i can't even remember what episode it was or how long ago it was but something came up about disney tattoos i think it was in a q party or something. yeah yeah and and i had said that if i ever got one I would want it to be a little quirky. Um, you know, I'm not the type of person that's going to go get Mickey and Minnie, you know, on my butt cheek or anything like that. Uh, I wanted it to be something Disney related, but not so uh, mainstream Disney. Right. And I've always been, you know, a big Mary Blair fan and enjoyed her artwork. So I said I would get the five-legged goat from the Contemporary Resort uh, mural that's there. And uh, ever since then, it just kind of stuck in my brain, like how cool that would be. And I finally got up the nerve and was like, let's do it. And uh, a guy I work with is all tatted up and he gave me the, the, the shop that he goes to. And I went and um, I kind of went with the expectation like, well, if it doesn't feel right in the moment, I'm not going to do it, you know. So I met with the artist and he was like, well, give me a minute. Let me draw it up. And uh, he went and drew it up and it looked perfect. <laughs> I mean, absolutely perfect. So I was like, all right, let's do it. And uh, yeah, 
it, it was my it's my first and uh if i get another one it'll probably just be one more on the other arm because mm. i don't see myself being like <laughs> all over my my body kind of a person i'm not that 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 cool um but uh yeah i really like it I, it's i mean as soon as it got done i was in love i think it looks great the color is perfect and everything yeah, I mean, like, 100%. I couldn't believe how well it turned out. So, now we gotta get Derek to get his. Uh, never gonna happen. <laughs> it did not hurt nearly as bad as I, I expected it to be. I went in thinking it was gonna be like... I don't know, you know, you don't have any frame of reference. You know, because <laughs> everybody's like, it's tiny needles going into your arm. You're like, well, that sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't as bad as I thought. It was, it was more like... Um, like a like a stinging feeling more than like a poking feeling because uh, he started he didn't know it was my first tattoo so he kind of started and uh then when he kind of realized it was my first he was like oh i'm sorry i would have been a little more gentle or at least a little more blah 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 i was like no just 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 do it <laughs> just do what you gotta do so um i love it though so my next one if i get another one right now i'm, I'm thinking about getting joe roadie's ear with the dangly earrings on the other side so absolutely not <laughs> absolutely not for the record it's not the pain that makes me say i'll never get one do you still is it still tender at all no actually it's not i've been doing my you know here's the thing about when you get a tattoo and it's your first time it's kind of like i guess having children um everybody who has <laughs> one be- Every mom out there was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Stay with me on this. It's kind of like having children in this aspect that when it's your first one, everybody wants to tell you how to how to like treat it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, everyone wants to give you advice. <laughs> so everybody's been telling me, oh, you need to do this. Oh, you got to do that. Do this kind of care. Don't do this. Don't do that. Blah, 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 blah. So I've been uh, following the advice of my brother who is very tatted up <laughs> and uh been doing my lotion and making sure it stays clean and dry and all that kind of stuff and uh doesn't it doesn't feel tender at all it's it's gonna start like peeling you know doing that weird skin thing in a couple days which apparently is normal but uh right now it looks great i love it i was actually disappointed because i went to the parks today and i it was so cold i had to wear long sleeves i couldn't show it off (laughs) and i was like what's the point of even having it (laughs) but um Honestly, it doesn't feel real to me yet either. It kind of feels like I just drew on my arm. <laughs> so, Well, Jeremy, you know, with tattoos, you'll have an entire lifetime to show it off. That is that is so true. Well, the tattoo was not what I was talking about when I said there's something we've been celebrating for a while now. Something that's been teased for a while now. I was actually talking about Mickey's birthday, which is compared a lot to your tattoo, actually. So that's a perfect segue. That has been said, been said. yes, <laughs> yeah. been mentioned. I just don't know how, but... As I'm sure you know, Mickey Mouse turned 90 years old on November 18th, And then exactly two months later, on January 18th, Mickey and Minnie's surprise celebration kicked off at the Magic Kingdom. So like I said, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff that debuted this month. And we're going to start by talking about this celebration. First of all, I have to say, he's onto something. You turn 90, exactly two months later, you start like a year-long celebration celebrating your birthday. 
I was going to say, um, what, did I miss something? Why are we waiting so long? I don't know either, because he's technically, he's in his 91st year now. Well, I guess they wanted to avoid the holidays, maybe, you know, not not have all this new stuff around Christmas, which it makes sense, but it just feels weird. It's like, hey, we're celebrating Mickey's 90th. That was two months ago. Yeah, I agree. It's strange. Uh, but you were at the Magic Kingdom. Which of this new stuff did you personally experience? Um, well, I saw a lot of the, the new merchandise um, in the Emporium, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit here in a few. Uh, the main thing that we saw was the new Move It, Shake It, Mouse Could Dance It. Is that, am I saying that right? Yeah, the street party. Okay, good. Um, loved it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was, you know, I mean, I, I guess it was like I was already been inoculate, inoculated by the... Uh, whatever the previous incarnations of this thing was. So, you know, you just kind of get used to the fact that there's this really strange parade thing that goes through Main Street that ruins the theme, but whatever. Um, but that being said, like, they added some nice screens to the floats, the, the birthday floats, I guess, with presents that they used to have. Um, there's some really rare characters that make appearances now, which is amazing. I mean, I have never in my life even seen Clarice. <laughs> Clarice? I mean, I, who? 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 What? <laughs> but whatever, I'm happy about it. Yeah, I looked her up today. So she's basically like Chippendale's sort of love interest, but she was only in one short, as far as I know. And she's a little bit more popular in Japan. Okay, and I want to say she, like, maybe made an appearance in, like, Chippendale Rescue Rangers at some point. Maybe not. Maybe I'm, you know, ma imagining that. But, yeah, total deep cut. Like, who who in the world? Uh, but then you got Clarabelle Cow, which is always fun, and Horse horse Collar, which is always appreciated that they, they make an appearance. And, of course, you got the Fab Five, Daisy, you know, all those kind of people. As well as um, Jose and Panchito. Mm -hmm. I saw Max. And Max, yes, I was going to say Max is there. And love Max, but he looks he looks a little he looks a little special sometimes. <laughs> He's got wonky eyes. Yeah, it's like puberty's hitting Max funny. <laughs> I thought the same thing. He doesn't look that way in a goofy movie. No, not at all. So, but, uh, but they all come out and they are wearing some, some special outfits. Um, not all of them, but not the same kind of special as Max. <laughs> no, no, no. These are, um, birthday special outfits and not their birthday suits, but they're the outfits. And they're like the, the white with the confetti that's kind of been strewn about. Um, and Mickey and Minnie, of course, are in those and his culottes. And then they have the host. <laughs> I know they're supposed to be shorts, but they are not short length. Nope. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, they got <laughs> the people on stilts. <laughs> yeah, okay. He said, he said culottes. And I had not even put that together, but that's exactly what they are. They are. I'm like, I mean, it would look so much sharper if it was like an actual pants, you right, know, like. right. But this weird hybrid thing that he's wearing where it's like halfway down his shin, I'm like, no, that's just weird. It dates it is what it does to yeah, me. Yeah, it's like business on the top, party on the bottom. <laughs> it's the mullet of outfits. Yes. It is. <laughs> so weird. Um, but yeah, so anyways, it's so fun. They got a lot of fun songs. I like the theme song, the come on, everybody, put your ears up. I do too. 
Yeah, it's called It's a Good Time. You can find it on iTunes. Oh, I have. And uh... <laughs> yeah, I like it too. But see, I watched a video and that was the only song I liked. Oh, really? See, the yeah. other songs are kind of fun. I mean, but they're not Disney songs. They're like songs from like the 60s, right? Yeah, I heard like, hey, Mickey, you're so fine. I think I heard Twist and Shout. Yeah, so they do. Well, see, okay, so it goes down Main Street. It starts down by the flagpole and they come out at that parade ending area. And they go up Main Street and they circle the hub. And if you want the best spot, now now here's what I did. Had, not knowing anything about locations, we ended up um, right there in front of the castle, which is where Mickey and Minnie stop. And that's where like the DJs are, you know, the, the MCs or whatever. During the dancing, they invite everybody out into the streets to dance with the characters. Um, most of them come off the floats and dance amongst the people, along with some parade performers. They have some stilts and, you know, some stilt performers, which are fun. I kind of did a quick circle during the dance thing and got kind of to see everybody. But if it's crowded, that's going to be a little harder to do. So if you want a spot that's kind of like you don't want to move, go for right there in front of the castle because that's going to be the best spot with Mickey and Minnie. But then uh, so they get everybody on the street and then they end with the Hey Mickey, which is like a rewrite of uh, the Mickey song from the 80s. Which is fun. I mean, you know, whatever. It is what it is. You just kind of accept that this is just goofy and makes no sense. And it's fun anyways. And Mickey, to me, does he does something that bothers me, but I it makes me laugh. And he does the, like, Taylor Swift faux humble part where... You remember, like, when Taylor Swift first started, became big, and she won all the awards? And every time she won an award, like, I know listeners can't see this, but her face would be like, oh, my gosh, me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time during that song, it's like, hey, Mickey, he would be like the, oh, oh, you know, kind of like. Oh, my word. <laughs> like, Mickey, come on. Don't, it, it, the, fo- the faux humility is enough, you know, yeah. whatever. Although, to his credit, it's called Mickey's Surprise Celebration, so he has to sell it. Yeah, sure. Surprise, you've been right on a float. <laughs> what, what am I doing on this float? Oh, who put me in these culottes? It also overlooks... <laughs> <laughs> It also overlooks the fact that it's Minnie's birthday as well, but whatever, you know. No, it's called Mickey and Minnie's birthday celebration. But that song, I will give but you But there's that. no Hey Minnie song. Yeah. I do appreciate that there are live singers. That's something Dance and Play It did not have. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fun. And they do a good job. I mean, it's a very short show comparatively. And I think that's one of its strong suits. Yeah. I just have to say to all the people who mourned Move It, Shake It, Dance and Play It going away, this really is as close to the same thing as it possibly could be. Yeah. Uh, who are these people? Well, we like when we posted that video on Facebook, the In Memoriam, there were so many people who were like, not Move It, Shake It. Don't worry. It's back just with new costumes and new songs. It's the same concept. Totally. But then, um, so after Move It, Shake It, Masca Dance It, um... We went to meet Mickey. I had a fast pass to meet Mickey and Minnie because I wanted to get a picture with them in their birthday outfits. And uh, that's at the Main Street Theater there. And they've done a good job as far as in the room. They've hung like this confetti, but it's it, not confetti, streamers. But they're like the big oversized plastic streamers that are not real streamers. So you know how everything's like oversized and goofy. Yeah. Not goofy, but you know what I mean, with Minnie and Mickey. Uh, it's a nice touch in the room. They have some fun banners that are just like special for the occasion. And then you get to meet them in their little confetti outfits, which I think is fun. 
Yeah, I do like that Minnie is in there with him now, which is normally not the case. Yes, yes, it does add add to it. And also, I love that people are to like jumping on the bandwagon with this because there were several little kids that were dressed in outfits like Mickey and Minnie's with the confetti. And I even took I took a picture of one. I asked the mother, I'm like, hey, can I take a picture of your daughter? I just love this outfit. And I was like, where'd you get that? And she's like, I made it myself. So it's so fun. People are really kind of embracing this celebration. Yeah, well, you know, that was really popular for the old version, too. So I don't know if you remember the other Move It, Shake It, but the outfits were like the white shorts. And then they had the button-up shirts that they always kept unbuttoned. And they were bright red with, like, colored splotches all over them. They almost looked like bowling shirts. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would always see kids at the parks wearing smaller versions of those exact outfits. I don't know why that trend started, but there you go. By the way, the dancers... Um, love their outfits. Mm -hmm. Love it. I think they're so, so nice and sharp looking. Yeah, even the stilt walkers have to wear their helmets, but they've got Mickey ears on the helmets. Yeah, it's really cute. Yeah. So this this is a fun thing that I think people are going to enjoy. And, you know, it's nice to get out in the street and dance with the characters. And they could do a good job interacting with guests. People are able to get some nice moments and character time there. Yeah. Happy birthday, Mickey and Minnie, two months ago. Have they given a date as how long this is going to last or it's the whole year or? You know, I was thinking that because I said a year long celebration. I don't think it is that. I think it'll be done by end of spring. Well, that that's interesting if it is, because then are they going to bring us a new, hey, get up, get loud, or is it going to be, you huh. know? That's a good point. Because it can't go on forever because it's specifically a birthday celebration, but they wrote a new song and everything. Yeah, I got a feeling this is going to go... Till at least the fall. Yeah. Interesting. Now, I saw that since Minnie is at Town Square Theater now, I think I saw that Pluto is now in Pete Silly's Sideshow. Is that right? He is, yes. Does he have a costume? Uh, he apparently has a special collar, I want to say. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, I don't think... Because, you know, I, the, I don't even know... I don't know this for sure. I cannot confirm this at all. But I'm guessing, since he's in the spot where Minnie was, she had the poodles there. So it kind of fits that he would be by the dogs. Yeah. But uh, I have some friends of Pluto that were sad to see him go from from the flagpole. But speaking of things at the front, at the flagpole, though, now there's some new offerings there as well, which I don't know if this is going to last as long as the birthday celebration or if this is just like a... a short-term thing but it appears that there's going to be rare characters or different characters there every single day and you don't know who it's going to be yeah you tweeted that picture because the day you were there it was chicken little and what's the friend's name abby mallard abby mallard i thought it was a joke i was like oh he found this old picture from something there is no way that in the year 2019 chicken little is meeting at the front of magic kingdom he, he he was, and uh, I was not pulling your chain. Um, we actually went, as soon as we got done meeting Mickey and Minnie, we went over and ate at Tony's, and uh, as we were walking into Tony's, I was like, that is Chicken Little. So random. And then I saw online that like yesterday was like Phineas and Ferb, which I love Phineas and Ferb, but do kids even know who that is today? I mean, they've been off the air for like five years. Well, Chicken Little especially, I mean... 
I barely knew who it was. I mean, you, you took a picture of the friend. If he had not been with Chicken Little, I would have no idea who Abby Pollard is or whatever, whatever he well, said. Well, I was going to say, it's, it's a she, and, oh. and it's Abby Mallard. Mallard, and that's right. she's like the awkward, you know, the ugly duckling kind of a friend there. In the, mm. You should really brush up on your Chicken Little. I've never seen it. Really? Oh, it's worth seeing once because it's kind of funny too. Don't word must have got out and people got over there because the line was long to meet them all day long, and I jumped in it and waited a, a good forty-five minutes to meet them. Whoa! Yeah, and it was cold and windy, but a couple people in front of me, a couple of girls, actually had a stuffed alien from the film, which is spoiler because that's what the sky falls and it's actually aliens, and it's these the alien babies if you've seen them it's 16 years old i'm not spoiling anything anyways uh um they had one like a plush one now that's not something you can just go buy at the emporium so they either had it with them (laughs) for some reason or that you know word had gotten out that that chicken little was meeting and they grabbed it from home and rushed over there so people were excited to meet them and i'm excited i i love this idea of the rare character meet and greets I think we've even talked about this, like have one space where you just do not know who's going to be there week by week and let people just enjoy meeting some of these characters in the back. That's what it sounds like. I do love that. I mean, I wouldn't be excited for those characters, but like you, I get excited in general when there's a rare character, no matter who it is. And and I'll say this, the family in front of me had no idea who Chicken Little was. They were just there for a, for a photo op with a character and they were fine with that. So you know, fanboys would like this and your average day guest would enjoy it as well. There you go. Hopefully Disney keeps it around. All right, well, let's move out of the Magic Kingdom for a little bit because something else that they debuted on the very same day was this incredible celebration. That's what it's called. I was not adding my own adjective there. It's called (laughs) an incredible celebration. Uh, It's got a few elements to this. So first of all, there is now the Edna Mode experience did you see pictures of this i saw pictures of this and i'm planning on going this week to see it because i love 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 this i was so excited and they've done it so well in my opinion i think so too so i guess to fill listeners in the former area that was pixar place which had like the pixar archway one side of the street had toy story mania the other side had like the barrel of monkeys hanging down and the scrabble board and you could meet woody and buzz inside andy's bedroom that whole area obviously does not need to be toy story anymore because there's toy story land so they've turned it into municiburg and it still looks the same pretty much like all the brickwork is there but they've added some fun posters that make it look like you're in an urban city uh, they have, well, a street party that we'll get to. But then where you could, used to be able to meet Woody and Buzz, they've set it up as the Edna Mode experience. And you can finally meet Edna Mode. She doesn't just drive by you in a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the queue looked fun, too. I'm trying to remember specific details, and I can't. I got, like, Devil Wears Prada vibes mm, from, like, mm-hmm. the design of the building and, like, very sharp and crisp and clean kind of how you know the that that kind of designer vibe is for a design like a design magazine yeah 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 it it looks like um a, a wall with some of her awards i think were on there and then like some things she's designed were hanging on the wall 
Yeah, it, it's really cool. I'm excited to go over there and see it in person. Yeah, and then outside on the street, they've got this street party called the Super Shindig Dance Party. And I will say, I watched a video of this today. It is very organized. Like, there's a script and everything, and the characters kind of come out one at a time, and then it ends with this big dance. And all of the actors, the cast member actors who are not the Incredibles, are dressed in mid-century modern clothing. So, like, bowling shirts and fedoras and, like, those old librarian glasses with the chain that hangs down, yes. things like that. Yeah, so it's pretty cute, honestly. I obviously won't spend a lot of time enjoying it, but... For what it is, they did a good job. You know, it's it's nice to have. It's one of those things that you, you're not going to be there every trip, but it's nice to have and know that it's there. Yeah, and they've got this screen, giant screen on one of the walls, and it has a fake border around it to make it look like an old 1950s, 1960s television set. And there's a guy on the street, like an improv actor, with a microphone who's kind of going up to guests every now and then and interviewing them, and the video displays on the screen live so when you're walking down the street you can see whatever's happening with this news reporter so that's kind of a neat touch did we ever talk about when you were on the screen at hollywood studios and you didn't know it <laughs> no, no <we> <laughs> so side story here derek went to see the imperial march the last time he was down and uh good friend of the show terry and myself and charles were looking for him and we couldn't find him because he ran ahead of us to go because he didn't want to miss this and you know how they project the 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 march on the giant screens that are in front of the uh, the the theater there at the end of the street in front of the Chinese theater. Anyways, um, we're looking for Derek, and all of a sudden we're like, "There he is!" <laughs> but he was on the screen as one of the stormtroopers was like right in his face. It was pretty intimidating and pretty funny. Yeah, I didn't know that at all until you guys told me later. Good Awkward. times. Yeah. And then the only other thing at Hollywood Studios is in Walt Disney Presents, they always have a meet and greet back there, formerly Star-Lord and Groot. Now you can meet Mike and Soli. And they projected like a door behind them with the uh, whatever those canisters are called that trap scares or trap screams. Uh, so, it, you know, it's a cute little meet and greet. Same Mike and Soli. They don't look any different. You know, this park really is becoming half Pixar- half Star Wars. Yeah. I think it was the Disney Parks blog that said something about, like, at the end of last year, they were trying to tweet something about the new new things that are coming, and it said something about to, inf to infinity beyond and a galaxy far, far away, or something like that. <laughs> it's like, yep, that pretty much covers it. Yeah, sums it all up. As long as they keep, like, you know, Rock and Roller Coaster and Tower of Terror, like, Keep those uh, on the outskirts and let it be. Keep the Muppets. The Muppets need their their presence. But the rest of it, they can turn into whatever they want. Well, you know, between Rock and Roller Coaster and Tower of Terror, we're getting another Pixar property with that Lightning McQueen thing coming later this year. Oh, that's right. I always forget that's there. And I forget that space is there because it's so small. Yeah. Well, speaking of Pixar, that does bring us to our first official segment of the episode. We're going to, we're going to do some... Armchair Imagineering. Hmm. Hmm. Wait a minute. I love that idea. So we're going to... Uh, this actually came to us from a tweet. We like it when you tweet us. So the initial tweet, before you read the response, the initial tweet was from me because it was actually my sister-in-law who was planning a trip, and she texted me because her kids love Toy Story and The Incredibles, 
and said, hey, is there a character meal with Pixar characters? And I thought about it, and I was like, you, you know what? No, there's not a single one. Yeah, and so, I mean, that's what I was going to read. <laughs> is there oh, I'm sorry. Three? Well, Yeah, because Craig responded. Oh, Craig. Craig responded, no. No Pixar thing. <laughs> Craig responded, no Pixar-themed restaurant. Merida not allowed at Oshkoshosh or Royal Table. I never say that right. <laughs> Ocker shoes. Yeah, I think he was kidding, but... The more I looked into it, Merida does sometimes appear at Cinderella's Royal Table and at that uh, Trattoria Al Forno breakfast that's on the boardwalk. But I still don't consider that a Pixar meal if one princess shows up. And I believe you actually referred to her as third string at best in this tweet. So I mean... All you Merida stands out there, send your letters to Derek at madchatters.net. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all two of you. Um, anyways, uh, so this got us thinking about uh, a little bit of armchair Imagineering and how would you create a Pixar-themed dining experience where the characters would be involved, like a character meet and greet? Yeah. What'd you come up with? Okay, so my thought was, you know how you have the not characters in flight, but characters in flight it balloon down at Disney Springs? What's it called these days? Uh, Aerophile. I think it's called Seasonally Closed. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Listen, Aerophile is only two letters away from being pedophile. <laughs> I think we need a new name for that. Wow. <laughs> okay, uh, that's a good turn. <laughs> uh, but you know how you have the, uh, the Aerophile balloon? Um, and that's a that's a pretty big area that you that holds a lot more guests than what you think it would would hold. I've never been in it, but I've been close enough to be like, wow, that's not just like three people going up in this balloon. So my thought was, let's expand that a little more into an up dining experience. So keep like the tables in like a circle, and I don't know logistically with the food and all that I, that's somebody else's problem to figure out but everybody's gonna be seated in tables around this circle in the same kind of structure maybe a little bigger and then the balloon itself is going to uh look like the mini balloons that carry the house up and so the house the area you dine will look like the house as well and you go up in it and while you're up there carl and doug and russell and kevin are all going to come around to your tables and have a meet and greet with you while you're floating high above the, the Walt Disney World, wherever this experience is at. Okay, that sounds dangerous, <laughs> but I like I, it. I mean, you know, there's people that do crazier things. Like I've seen um, a dining experience where, like, you're strapped to the seat and your legs are dangling, and you're getting served food on like an open table. The the bun. You never seen this kind of thing? No. Oh, it's it's out there. But anyways, I, I think it'd be fun. It would be need a little more stability than just a bal- the balloon waving back and forth in the wind because, you know, you can't serve soup if you do that. But uh, I think I think this is possible. Sure. Anything is possible, even the impossible. That's what Mary Poppins taught me. That that checks out. Uh, so you could do really anything with Toy Story or The Incredibles, but believe it or not, I also went with the up characters for my idea. (laughs) So they're building that new resort that is nature themed. 
And on Up, he's all about exploring the wilderness for wilderness explorers. Kaka! So I was thinking you could have a restaurant that's sort of in Paradise Falls. So what if like the check-in area is the house? So you walk through in through the house and see the rooms and stuff and kind of wait there. And then on the other side of the house, you come out in Paradise Falls. And it's inside, but you know, Disney can make the inside look like whatever they want. So it looks like you're outside and there are trees and stuff. And then on one wall, there's the giant waterfall that is Paradise Falls. And then the characters who meet you are the ones you just listed. Kevin and Doug and Russell and Carl. Wow. Yeah, I like that. I do. I, I'm i kind of picturing this maybe going in like the Rainforest Cafe there at... A little bit, but Disney and better. Yeah, yeah. But like if you had the up house, you know how like you enter there at the front of the park is where the up house is and then you come out and you're into the, into the Paradise Falls area. I like that. Well, thanks. And I think it would fit that nature theme of the new resort that's coming. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I like how we both went with Up and had no idea about it. <laughs> I know. Well, because I feel like we've done so much with Toy Story. Oh, the, yeah. The Incredibles was probably my second pick. But everything else, there aren't enough characters to fill a restaurant, you know? Maybe Inside Out. Oh, no, that would be interesting. Yeah. Like, you have to, like, slide through somebody's, like, a nose, like a nostril <laughs> to get to the, your table. There you go. All the food is served in, like, the color balls, and, like, you have to pull it apart. That would be awesome. Interesting. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, if you did Ratatouille, you're not going to have a human-sized Remy come up and meet you. That's creepy. (laughs) You've been shrunk down to the size of a rat. (laughs) Yeah, but then if uh, Linguini also came out and he was the same size (laughs) as the rat. He's like, I don't know. I got shrunk, too. I don't know what's up with this. (laughs) So you'd almost have to do like a Pixar mashup restaurant with characters from Ratatouille and from Up and from Cars or whatever. Okay, Cars Cars would be a little weird. (laughs) This is a mess. Now I know why there are no Pixar-themed restaurants. You know what there should be? Because like at Disneyland, you know how they have the uh, that one restaurant where it's just like a cacophony of characters that meet and they're like, it's the Disney character restaurant. You know what I'm talking about? So they could do that with Pixar. I think so, too. Well, it was our friend Blake who responded to that tweet and said that he had heard that at one point in the mid-2000s, they had talked about turning Hollywood and Vine in Hollywood Studios into a Pixar meal with the Toy Story characters, and it just kind of never happened. And when you think about all the Pixar stuff we've gotten between 2005 and now, and not a single one of them has been a character meal, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. You would think they would jump on that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Well, if you have any ideas, listeners, we want to hear them. So tweet us. Yeah. Uh, up is off limits now. <laughs> yes. We have exhausted that one <laughs> completely. All right, so over at Animal Kingdom, something that's new also debuted on January 28th was the Hakuna Matata Time dance party, as well as some new photo ops around the park celebrating the 25th anniversary of The Lion King. I honestly don't have a lot to say about this, but do you have any thoughts? 
No. Well, who's dancing? Is it just Timon? You know, I I didn't even see videos of this. I think it debuted. It was supposed to. Yeah, and now if they have those old school '90s hyena costumes out again, I'm, uh, I'm in. I am so in. <laughs> they always bring those out for like the DVC events, and I'm always so jealous. Yes, they're so creepy but awesome looking. Um, yeah, you know this is nice, and and I'm glad they're they're honoring the 25th anniversary of the Lion King because that was a huge, huge you know money maker and cultural uh, has a lot of cultural significance. For Disney fans and non-Disney fans, so it's cool that they're doing that. I'm just picturing it's another kind of dance party that we've seen. You know, in Africa, there in the in Animal Kingdom, you can have these kind of dance parties every day, regardless if it was Lion King or not, because there's always somebody, you know, beating a drum or dancing there. But good on Animal Kingdom for uh, for for adding something to the to the list here with the they're like the Incredibles over at Hollywood Studios, Festival of the Arts, uh, new Mickey thing. We got to do something. <laughs> and we still got one more park to get to, and that of course is Epcot. And debuting on yes, the very same day, January eighteenth, was the third annual Festival of the Arts, which Jeremy and I have talked about a lot in the show. Of course, I guess it's your first year experiencing it in person. It is. I, w- I was not there last year at all. Yeah. I saw the Epcot crowds on the day this debuted were crazy. Yeah, I was telling you before the show, we were going to go over it last night and kind of check it out. Uh, but then I saw all these tweets about craziness of the crowds. And our friend Aaron was th- Aaron was there and sent him a text. And I'm just like, ah, the crowd's as bad as they look. And he's like, yeah, it's pretty full. So... We decided to wait, so I, w- I did pop over there for an hour or so this afternoon, just kind of check it out. But I definitely plan on being back more, obviously, with you in a, in, in a few days here, and uh, before and after then as well, because this festival lasts until uh, I believe February February twenty fifth. Very nice, yeah. I just love going because there are always different artists almost every day. And there are several who I want to meet, several I want to buy their art and have them sign it. Like Jared Mariyama, who we had on the show. Joey Chu, who we've talked about many times on the show. Uh, Jason Ratner and Ashley Taylor, they've put out some really good pieces this year. So, like, Ashley Taylor did this piece that I definitely want to buy. I think it's called World of Dreams. I think that's right. And it's got the... Uh, it's a small world facade in like this panoramic widespread with the countries. Yes. And in front of it is all the countries from world showcase. So it's like a mashup of it's a small world and world showcase. Love it. I In fact, I hadn't seen it until right before we were about to record. Um, somebody tweeted a picture of it and I was like, Hey, I like that. Yeah. In fact, I remember Several months ago, I randomly on this podcast said something about they should just move It's a Small World to World Showcase. And ever since then, I've kind of been obsessed with that idea because I think it fits that theme so perfectly. Uh, Obviously, they're not going to do that. But yeah, I think she's going to be signing one of the days I'm there. It's also in the passport. They're advertising that. Wow. Ooh, big deal. Big deal. You could get that tattooed across your shoulders on your back. Mm. <laughs> or it's like a tramp stamp. Be... <laughs> oh, now we're talking. So besides the artists that you can meet, they also have artists doing live art on, I've seen all the sidewalk chalk that's been 
um, happening while guests are there. And then, of course, the thing we love is every single night this year, which is new. It used to be just on the weekends, but every single night they're having some of the Broadway performers who have been in Disney shows in the past come and perform like an hour-long concert of Disney songs. I got to tell you, I almost had a stroke today walking through Epcot because they do have the beautiful chalk art on the sidewalk there, kind of in between World Showcase and Future World, like that little stretch there. And from a distance, I saw a woman standing on the chalk art. And I was like, what is she doing? But thankfully, it was one of the pieces that you're allowed to stand on for a picture, like, you know, like step here and it looks like it's 3D kind of a thing. But I mean, I about had a had a had a corneal ablation because I was just in shock. Well, having been around many Disney guests, I understand why your first thought was that yeah, she's standing on it and she's not supposed to be. I know. I'm like, that, that, that's to be enjoyed with your eyes, not your feet. Yeah. So I just love this festival. I mean, granted, it's right up my alley. I do love the arts, but oh, I can't wait to be there. Yeah, and they have the, of course, they have the big wall that everybody can paint on as well, and that was very popular. They got all the booths out with the special food and, the, like you said, the art. To me, one thing I like about it is it kind of feels like, stay with me on this, it almost feels like, you know, like a small town art festival where, like, people would go and, like, sell their crafts, you know, like a craft show kind of thing, because they're in their little tents and stuff, and people are just kind of going tent to tent, checking out what's going on, but it's like classier as well. So you're saying the Festival of the Arts feels like an art festival? Yeah, but... No, I'm totally with you. I I completely get that. To me, there, there there's, there's such a mix between what I like to think of like your uh, high art and your low arts you know your grant you know your grandmas that make the afghans and then you know sell them for fifty dollars that's a form of art you know but that's not rembrandt or picasso to me festival of the arts brings both of those together Hmm. okay yeah that's what epcot does it brings people together Ooh, preach um they also have the uh the the live statues that were out there those were very popular yes they, which, which they also have at Disney Springs. Yeah, I think it's the same guys, but these ones are a little more, more done up. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. It's a great festival. If you ever get a chance to go during January or February, I think in a very short amount of time, I mean, this is only the third year, but it really has established itself. And I mean, it, like it's a fully realized festival. You know, like sometimes I feel like food and wine is... And I just opened up some booths and put some food and wine in there. And that that's all it is. Agreed. Agreed. You know, th- this is the first festival that's not food-centric. Yeah. Because even Flower and Garden has become f- food-centric. A little bit, yeah. Well, this does bring us to our next segment. We're going to put together a Mad Chatters playlist. For Disney, somebody's on your plate is oh so wrong. We are happy to assist. We need a segment made for this. Now it's time for the Mad Chatter Playlist. All right, so this week's uh, Mad Chatter's Playlist, in honor of the Festival of the Arts, we are going to be sharing our favorite Disney on Broadway songs. So not too long ago, I guess it was back in the early 90s, 
Disney kind of jumped into the Broadway game. Um, the first show, Derek, do you remember what it was? Beauty and the Beast. Oh, no, 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 it wasn't. Did Aida come first? Aida was the first one, yes. Um, which is not a Disney property, but so I guess the first Disney property was technically Beauty and the Beast, but the first Disney on Broadway show was Aida. And since then, they've had something, I think it's close to 12 or 15 productions at this point. Seems, seems about right. Some musicals and some plays, and then there's some things that were off-Broadway that never made it to Broadway, and but they're still considered, you know, Disney properties, uh, Broadway properties. So all that to be said, we're going to share our favorite Disney on Broadway songs. Yeah, because a lot of the, well, maybe not the ones on our list, but exclusively being sung on stage during this festival are Disney on Broadway songs. Yes. That's why we went with this list. Um, I have to say, these probably aren't my four favorite. Oh, okay. I just, I picked ones that A, are not in the animated films, and B, ones that I just like a lot, and I think people should hear. Well, these are my four favorites, so... Wow. (laughs) It was so hard to narrow this down. Oh, it was impossible. Impossible. Um, This is the kind of list we'd never be able to do when Matt was still on the show, by the way, so I'm (laughs) glad that we can... (laughs) You're so right. You'd be like, Akuna Matata. <laughs> oh, man. This is why we need to do an episode of, like, our 20 favorite Disney on Broadway songs. Holy cow. That's a, that's a, that's a lot of songs. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't play them all in the episode, I'm just saying. True. Uh, well, why don't you go first, then? Okay. So, my first one is from a show I personally have not seen. I've had several friends see different tours of this, and they all without exception, told me it's terrible. <laughs> Let me guess. Can I guess what show it is? Yes. The Little Mermaid. That is correct. <laughs> ah, that's so sad. <laughs> Did you see it? Yeah, I was at the Muni this past year, and uh, I saw it in St. Louis. Okay. I just, they were talking about the tour they saw. There used to be rollerbladers to make it look like they were, you know, fluidly swimming underwater. But now they just walk and they move their arms like fish to make it look like they're sort of swimming constantly. And they bob their bodies up and down, which doesn't look very natural. I want to give a shout out to the Muni in St. Louis because they did not have bobbers or rollerbladers. And the production was great. (laughs) See, they've found all the secrets. No, I do remember. I remember um, folks telling me about this as well, that... How awkward it was. Because when they talk, then it sounds like they're bobbing as well. <laughs> it kind of makes me wish I'd seen it just so I can now tell the stories about it. But I have not seen it. But the songs, I think there are quite a few good ones. And the one I picked for the list is called If Only. Dang it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> That's on my list as well. But I have some backups, so don't worry. There are at least 200 Disney on Broadway songs. <laughs> Tells you how good this song is. I guess so. But this is a quartet. And I should have pulled it up because the Disney Wikia page actually gave a really good, concise description of it. But it's Ariel, Eric, Sebastian, and Triton. And they are all singing towards the end of the show about sort of what their heart wants out of the situation. So Ariel's mute at this point, And she's thinking, you know, if only I could talk again, basically. And Eric is still wondering where that girl 
that mer- that girl at the beginning of the story went, and yet he's also falling in love with this mute Ariel, so he's he's wishing things were a little bit different, and all this kind of stuff, and it sort of builds near the end with all four of them singing at the same time, and it's quite lovely. It's been two whole days and I don't know where she has I want to say that the reason I like this song, it's beautiful, and I like how they all sing like their four different, you know, parts, but then they kind of bring them all together. The thing I like about it as well is the production explores the relationship of Ariel and Triton a little more than the movie does, especially the resolve. Um, Because I feel like the movie's just kind of like, oh, she got her voice back and everything's fine. (laughs) Dad's cool, you know, Um, where this kind of goes a little more in depth, at least from his perspective. It's a good song. And it features Titus Burgess from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. (laughs) I did not realize that. Yeah, Titus Andromedon. Because he was Sebastian, right? Yep. Oh, good times. Um, my first um, song selection comes from Aladdin. And it's actually a song that Derek is familiar with because I believe he sang it in a Broadway review uh, of <laughs> some years ago. And um, that is A Million Miles Away. I love this song. To me, it is the perfect... Um, it sums up the the longings of Aladdin and Jasmine's heart because when you really think about it, they both want the same thing. They want to escape their lives, and they both have this vision of grandeur that their their life would be better if it was something different. Even though, in reality, they both want what each other has, and they don't realize it. So they're both dreaming about getting away and just being a million miles away, but for different reasons. But they both express that longing in their heart the same way through this song. And without being too corny, there was a time in my life uh, some years ago where I was going through a very difficult thing. And I found myself in a situation that I felt uh, I didn't know how to get out of. And uh, I just wasn't happy. And this song really spoke to me in that moment as well. We'll be a million miles away Leave everything behind When you choose to lose yourself Who knows what you might find And once the journey's done It won't seem quite so far After a million miles or so We'll find out You know, I don't love the new music from Aladdin. None of the songs really do anything for me. But if I had to pick a favorite, it would probably be that song. Oh, well, good. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what it is about it. Like, nothing really grabs me. Obviously, Proud of Your Boy, but I don't feel like that's a new song. No, I mean, that, that's been around for a while. And that's also probably because I sang this song a hundred times that week. But It's such a good song, though. It's such. It's really good. 
My second pick, I'm afraid, is also going to be on your list, but we'll see. It's from Newsies, and it is sung by The Reporter. Oh, yeah. It's not on my list, but I, I, the song from Newsies that I have selected is a very deep cut. So I knew that that was going to be on your list. <laughs> I know exactly what song you're talking about, and I have issues, but we'll get to it. Uh, Watch What Happens is the one that The Reporter sings, and it's very like, dun, 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 and it's so wordy. And so the I know the actress has to be on top of every single word, because if you flub up once, you're going to miss the next like eight words. So I just think it takes a lot of vocal ability, a lot of enunciation skills, and also just musically, I think it's a great song and really gives you a glimpse into this character with just this one song. You kind of get the sense of exactly who she is and what she wants to do with her life. And that's why I love it. I think this was, uh, I don't know. It's a great show with already great music from the movie, but some of the new songs they added are so good. And this is definitely one of them. And think of the one we'll create Their mistake is they got old That is not a mistake We'll be making no surreal Stay young forever Give those kids and me The brand new century And watch what happens It's David and Goliath Do or die The fight is on And I can't watch what happens But I Yeah, I agree. Um, well, I'll just do my my newsy song then now, since yeah. uh, and that is "Greetings from" or "Letters from the Refuge," um, which is a song that they added for the national tour. But I love it because I feel like it just really gets to uh, an emotional place that without it is missed. The fact that it's this friendship between Crutchy and Jack—that's really kind of you know, sets the stage of the show at the beginning. That's kind of what grounds it and really kind of what draws you in is that these two guys, they dream of a different life, you know, and they're best friends. And then Crutchy disappears for like half the show and you never hear from him until the very end. And you're like, oh, yeah, I got that guy. Uh, <laughs> but at least with this song, I feel like it kind of, one, it reminds you that he still exists. But it also like brings some heart into the show. And it's not just a, a movie of, or a, a musical about... Um, you know, getting back at the big man or a love story, anything like that. But at the core of it, it's about this friendship. And, you know, and that's really what it's all about. Yeah, they're brothers. They're not just friends. That's right. Anyway, so guess what? There's this secret escape plan I got. Tie a sheet to the bed, toss the end out the window. Climb down, then take off like a shot. Maybe though, not tonight. I ain't slept and my legs still ain't right Hey, but Pulitzer, he's going down And then Jack, I was thinking we might just go Like you were saying Where it's clean and green and pretty With no buildings in your way And you're riding Palominos every day Now, I want to say this too This is an honorable mention from Newsies as well, and I, you're probably going to disagree with me 110% on this, but that's okay. One of the songs I really enjoy is the Brooklyn's Here song, and the reason why, the way it builds, like at the beginning, how they're like, Brooklyn's here, you know, kind of yeah. thing. I get goosebumps every time, and I saw the, I saw Newsies twice a couple of years ago at. Uh, at the Muni in St. Louis, they did 
did the production and both times they like went through the crowd and like got like sang that building up while they were walking through the crowd and then it all kind of crescendoed there once they got on stage and you're just like yeah, they're here. It's all going to be okay. <laughs> you know, like it just like amped you up. And I thought it was really well done. And it really made me appreciate that song. Even though I know you hate it because they're off key or something on the on the CD or something like that. <laughs> okay. So not to tear apart your picks because as moments in the musical, they are both great moments for sure. And I'm glad they're in the show for that reason because they help tell the story. I just think musically, first of all, the crutchy song is just like the same notes as Santa Fe. You know, I don't think it's anything all that special because it just uses the same melody. It's a callback, Derek. It's that even adds more levels to it that he's still harking on to Jack's dream. I oh, it should be called Santa Fe Reprise. <laughs> anyway, but the Brooklyn song, yes, some of the whoever sings, whoever sings like the lower part, like sort of the alto part, except it's all males, is louder than the melody and it's a little bit flat so it's like <laughs> we is here and it gets really loud when he holds it out anyway that's a different story but also i make fun of that song because the lyric is we are brooklyn we are newsies we are brooklyn newsies <laughs> it's like wow who wrote that one they they all can't be gold. They all can't. They all they all can't win Pulitzers. Okay. Hey, how ironic. Hey, that is ironic. Anyway, but Newsies. I mean, I'm not gonna put down anything Newsies puts out really because it's a great show. Absolutely, still on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Yeah, I showed my parents over Christmas, and I could tell my mom was super into it. So, really? Oh, yeah. that's so wonderful. Yeah, they both liked it a lot. So. Anyway, my third pick is. From Freaky Friday the Musical, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. I know. This is such a deep cut. And it's such a deep cut that they didn't even put it in the Disney Channel movie version. (laughs) But I watched the movie version, and it was okay. But I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed the music in it. So I listened to the musical stage version of the soundtrack for a few weeks after that movie debuted on the Disney Channel. And the song I always come back to is called Bring My Baby Home. And in parentheses it says Bring My Baby Brother Home because it's the sister and the mom both singing the song. Okay. And it's it's sort of got a blues feel. And the reason I pick it is because it really shows off their voices in the last half of the song. Like both of these actresses are incredible singers. And it's really as simple as that. It's a good song, but they are fantastic in it. So that's my third pick. I can honestly say I have not listened to that uh, soundtrack in, in its entirely entirety. I did I did see the the Disney Channel version, but not the stage version. I remember you talked about it on Disney Coast to Coast, but remind me how you felt about it. I didn't hate it. You know, it, it's it was hard for me to separate 
the Lindsay Lohan version because that's so iconic for me and my generation. Um, but I didn't hate it. Yeah, I was in the same boat. Yeah, I did hear that the uh, the the Broadway version is a little more raunchy than what was on Disney Channel. It has quite a few cuss words in the soundtrack. I don't know if that is what you consider raunchy, but. Well, yeah, not raunchy may not be the right word, but grittier maybe. Yeah, yeah. My third pick is from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Now, this uh, musical, as an animated film, has always had a special place in my heart. I still think it's one of the most underappreciated films of all time. And that being said, too, they're making it into a live-action version of apparently with Josh Gad. And I don't know how I feel about that. He's not necessarily starring. He's producing. Okay, because I'm, I'm just picturing... I'm picturing Josh Gad as Quasimodo, and I just can't. I mean, he's Olaf, he's LaFou, and he's Quasimodo. Come on. Yeah, too much. Yeah. But anyways, um, the stage version soundtrack that was released some years ago is phenomenal. In fact, this is also going to be my fourth pick, just in case you didn't know, because it was my backup. And that is, But the first one is Heaven's Light. Now, in the animated version... Quasimodo sings this, and it's maybe like 30 seconds long, and it's beautiful, and it contrasts Quasimodo's uh, worldview with that of Frollo because it leads into Hellfire. It's the same way in the stage version, except in the stage version, this uh, song, Heaven's Light, is like a minute and a half, almost two minutes, and it is sung so beautifully and just gives me the joy in my deep deep down in my heart that every time I hear it, it just is so pretty. And you think about the plight of this guy who has had such an ugly existence as far as the way the world has treated him. And yet he still has this place in his heart where he sees heaven's light and he still has this hope. And I just think it's beautiful. Suddenly an angel has smiled at me and touched my face without a trace of fright. I dare to dream that she might even care for me And as I ring the bells tonight My cold dark tower seems so bright I swear it must be heaven's I agree. I know we've talked about this before, but he holds that last note and it's just flawless. Forever. And the bells start ringing and then it leads right into Hellfire, which is perfect. You know, I mean, just perfect as far as a storytelling element goes. But uh, yeah, it is great. Yeah. Can't argue with that. My fourth pick is from The Lion King classic it's been on broadway over 20 years now i think it's the third highest selling highest grossing broadway musical of all time wow pretty crazy when you think of all the classic uh musicals that have gone through broadway and are still on broadway uh but the song i picked from this is called shadowland and it is one of nala's songs it is when she realizes that the land is barren scar has taken over she's not happy so she decides to leave the Pride Lands, her home, 
and go off on her own. And it's a story, it's a song of like survival, I guess. And for a female character, I think that's part of it too, is for this female character to go off on her own. It's so good though. And it uses the melody from one of the scores that Hans Zimmer wrote for the film. So like if you've seen the animated film and then you hear the song, you're going to recognize the tune because it plays as like a an instrumental at several points in the movie. But they added lyrics to it for the stage musical. And it's so pretty and it uses some like Swahili in the middle of it and then it comes back with her at the end like jumping an octave. Ugh, it's a good one. I cannot stay my family but I'll remember my boy. I have no choice. I will find my way. Stay home. Take this prayer. One life. Do you think Beyonce is going to sing it in the live action? Oh, well, now I want that. To the left, to the left. Well, <laughs> no. Part of the reason this song is on my mind is because I saw just this weekend uh, one of the actresses from Hamilton was in Nashville doing a concert with the symphony, and she played Nala on Broadway. So she sang, her name is Renee Goldsberry, and she sang this song with the symphony and her backup singers. And I just had goosebumps the entire time. And it, I have only been listening to that soundtrack pretty much since I saw the concert because I forget how much I like the music from the Lion King Broadway. I love it. All the single lions, all the single lions. <laughs> Put your paws up. <laughs> no, you did not. <laughs> all right, my final song is, uh, again, this is my uh, alternate since uh, If Only was on my list, but it's still good. And that is um, God Help the Outcasts from The Hunchback of Notre Dame as well. Now, on the um, soundtrack, it's sung by Sierra Renee. And I saw her, she was in the Muni, <laughs> a lot of Muni references in this show. Um, but she was in Jesus Christ Superstar a couple of summers ago as Mary Magdalene. And I fell in love with her then because she has a great voice. And then when this soundtrack came out and I was listening to it and I saw that it was her, I'm like, I know that name from somewhere. And I looked it up and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, it was her. Really good. Um, no disrespect to Bette Midler or uh, not Demi Moore, whoever sang it in the film. But uh, this is just really crisp and pure. And it's a power, you know, very powerful song. Um, that's often overlooked, in my opinion, as far as some of these, um, you know, like something like Go the Distance that gets a lot of love. God Help the Outcast, maybe because it has the word God in it. You know, people shy away from it in the parks and those kind of things. But this this version of the song, very good. I'm just laughing because you use crisp to describe uh, Edna Mode's cue. Yeah, it's a crispy Muni episode, everybody. <laughs> I'm running out of adjectives.
Next up, we're going to talk about some munchies and some merch. I have got to teach you about food. Close your eyes. Now, take a bite of this. No! 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 Don't just fork it down! Too late. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm rumbling in my tumbly. Time for something sweet. And, speaking of champions, friends... Canine Crunchies is the champion of all dog biscuits. This is a segment where we look at some of the new food and merchandise items that are available at the parks, especially the ones we have our eyes on. And since we've talked about so many things that have debuted this month, I, you know, you have to know that it all came with new food items and new merchandise. So let's talk about merchandise first. You said you saw some uh, new items related to Mickey and Minnie's celebration? Yeah, and one of the things was... Uh that I, I like and I may pick up is the Mickey's birthday popcorn holder. Um, it kind of looks like the, the normal popcorn holders, but it's, it's Mickey Mouse, obviously. And he's got his little birthday suit on with the confetti. And uh, I liked it a lot. I thought it was kind of kind of different, but cute at the same time, but still a popcorn holder. Is it a popcorn holder or is it a sipper? Oh, it's a big sipper if it's a sipper. I thought it was... Let me. I've only seen people carrying them, so maybe maybe it was a sipper. Well, if it is the same thing that we're talking about, I love it. And normally, I'm not a buy a sipper kind of person, but it's great. And it's such a limited time, like because he's wearing the costume that he's wearing in Move It, Shake It. He's got his hat on. I do kind of want it, even if I would never use it. I would just display it. Oh no, you're right. It, that is a sipper. <laughs> it is big. It's huge. <laughs> you could have club cool with that thing filled up. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's what I really thought it was a popcorn bucket. Wow. And it's only 14 bucks. Really? That's the same price as like a coffee mug. Yeah. The Mickey Mouse sipper served with choice of fountain drink or a specialty beverage is available at Casey's Corner on Main Street or Cosmic Rays in Tomorrowland. It will only set you back $13.99. And if you want one without a beverage, it's only $9.99. I'm totally getting that. That's a bargain. Huh. Uh, I also had a piece of merchandise from the festival, but I basically already talked about it, and that's The World of Dreams by Ashley Taylor. If you ever if you ever like following artists, you know, we've had Jared Maruyama on the show. He, had, he put some great stuff on social media, but Ashley Taylor is another one. If you ever see the Disney doodles that they do almost every day on the Disney Parks blog, where they have a character experiencing an attraction, do you know what I'm talking about? 
Yes, I love those. She draw I probably one a week is drawn by Ashley Taylor. Oh wow. Yeah, ah. but she yeah, so on her social media she shares those, but she also shares the other art she's working on. So I recommend her as a follower or as a follow. Uh, but I, I really think I'm going to get that Small World World Showcase mashup she did. Can I recommend a piece of uh, merchandise I will not be purchasing? <laughs> yes, please. That is the uh, Festival of the Arts ball cap. Oh, it's ugly looking. No. Yeah, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> I saw that and I'm like, ooh, no. Mm-hmm. I do kind of like the mug that has figment on it. And it looks like paint is dripping down the side. Is that it have like a spoon that comes with it as well? Maybe. I think it has like a little stir spoon that comes with it. It's really nice. Okay. Now, mugs have gotten expensive though lately. I have know. You that? I know. There's one from Animal Kingdom Lodge I really want, but I think it's over 20 bucks. See, that's what your average mug now is between 20 and 25 bucks. Gosh, they used to be like between 12 and 14. Yeah. Ridiculous. Hmm. Um, okay. So food wise, you know, Derek, you're the foodie much more than I am. Uh, any food things that are popping up on your radar? Yeah, so there are a few. So the Festival of the Arts, we said, you know, food is not the highlight necessarily, but there are food booths because it is an Epcot festival. So two of the items I picked are from the booths. One is at the Refreshment Port, which is that building that's always there just as you come into World Showcase that always sells the churro, or not the churro, the uh, croissant donut. But over there, they're selling lobster chips, and it's house-made chips... So not tortilla chips, but like the sort of kettle potato chips topped with a significant amount of lobster from the pictures I saw. And then it's got a lobster bisque cheese sauce, pickled jalapenos, and a citrus cream. Ooh, wow. I know. It looks fantastic and sounds good. And then over at the Masterpiece Kitchen booth, the sweet thing that looks the best to me, other than that frangipan cake that looks like colored blocks yeah like the piece of art yeah yes it's fantastic and i'm gonna get it every year regardless but over at masterpiece kitchen they have a vanilla rose water and pistachio panna cotta so it looks sort of like a zebra dome in its shape but it's bright pink because it's rose water and then sort of around the rim are these crushed up pistachios pistachios Looks fantastic and light and creamy. Huh. That does sound good. My other item is from Hollywood Studios, so I don't know if I should plug it in here now. But at Pixar Pier, they had those Nom Nom cookies based on Incredibles. Because Jack, Jack Jack loves his cookies. So they have those. They, they're like, they're huge cookies. And they come almost in like muffin tins. A shallow muffin um, uh, liner. You know, not the tin itself, but the little paper liners. And they sort of put it through like this little oven so that it always comes out hot when you get it. Well, now they're selling them in Hollywood Studios now that the new Incredibles area is open. Interesting. I did not know this. Yeah. Looks delicious. Well, my two food items that I want to try. Um, one is at Cuisine Classique. Classique? <laughs> Do you know where that's at? Classique? <laughs> is th- that's at Epcot somewhere. Somewhere, um, yeah. It's a circle. You'll find it eventually. <laughs> uh, it is the uh, red wine braised beef short ribs. And uh, the picture of these looked fabulous as well. Um, oh, yeah. So it's like looks like it's on a bed of vegetables, like uh, some carrots and broccoli. But it just looked really tender to me. 
And then my my savory or my sweet thing, um, I only want this just for the the Instagram picture. If you want to know the truth, and maybe they had this last year, but this is the uh, the artist palette jumbo chocolate chip cookie. Did they have that last year? Yeah, it looks so bland to me. Yeah, but isn't it kind of fun as far as with the paintbrush? <laughs> like yeah. Like, I'm sure it tastes terrible, but for a picture, it'd be nice. Yeah, you could, like, paint your own colors on it, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's it looks fun. It's either that or the churros with the with the paint on them. That's fun. It, it's got, like, churros in a cup to make them, to make it look like paintbrushes. And then at the end of the churros has different colored food colors. Different color. colors, yeah. That, to me, looks like um, cancer. It's like, here's, here's the <laughs> Why? whole... Why? A whole lot of red number five, you know, oh. die. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, I wonder what it is. Is it just like frosting or is it fondant? I can't I tell. I think it's a, it's a frosting that like has like the, the kind of frosting that when it gets hard and then it like cracks, you know, almost like a like a like a glazed donut kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, what's the chocolate sauce magic something magic shell? Oh man, yeah, <laughs> not quite, but you know, more. I'm thinking more like a Krispy Kreme donut kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that makes sense, like a glaze. Yeah, huh. there you go. Lots of food to try, lots of merchandise to buy. I did have a uh, have a food item today too, if I can plug that real quick. Um, that's not new, but uh, it was recommended by Aaron Wallace, and that is the Rose All Day Cookies at Wine Bar George. Have you had these? I'm trying to remember. No, Wine Bar George was open the last time I was there. But no, I haven't set foot in there. Okay, so you don't have to actually go into the restaurant because they sell them at the window outside. Um, it was really good. Was it was okay. kind of, Yeah, it was... It, one is enough. Um, I got two, and about halfway through the second one, I was like, ooh, I'm done. Uh, but they're not overly sweet and, like, hurt your teeth sweet like a lot of those kind of things are with that kind of... Uh, uh, buttercream frosting on top. Really good, though. Really good. Recommend. Four dollars. All right. The final thing we're going to talk about on this week's episode is something that just released this week on January 29th, I believe. And it is Kingdom Hearts 3. Now, I don't know about you, Jeremy. I know very, very little about Kingdom Hearts. I know it's one of them video games that all the kids are playing. Yeah, so I had to look up on I had to look uh, on Wikipedia to find sort of a general description of what it is. It describes it as an action role-playing game. And it's developed by this company that collaborates with Disney and Pixar so that when you are the main character, whose name is Sora, you interact with Disney environments and Disney characters along your journey. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Wikipedia is correct. So tell us tell us who we're going to be talking to. Well, we're going to be talking to my friend and roommate, Zach, who is the biggest Kingdom Hearts fan that I have ever met. He is very passionate about it. And in fact, when I asked him if he would be a part of the show, he got super excited because he loves uh, educating people about Kingdom Hearts and helping people play the game. Like He's just all in. And this has been a big part of his life for, 
I think the last 10 years this thing's been around, the game. And uh, this version that's just been released is the final chapter. I mean, they're not making any more Kingdom Heart games. So um, it's all kind of coming to an end. Whoa, that's, I didn't realize that. That's a big deal. Yeah, very big deal. So he's kind of told me, you know, a little bit here and there about, you know, what the game is, what's it involved. And I figured it would be fun to have him on just to kind of talk about uh, what Kingdom Hearts is for those of us who know nothing about it. And then kind of the significance of uh, Kingdom Hearts, you know, throughout the last decade. And who knows, we might inspire some people to go uh, to go play. Yeah, cool. Let's get them on. So this week we're joined by a very special guest, and he's special because not only is he a friend, but he also sees me every single day of my life, and that is uh, my roommate, Zach. So welcome to the show, Zach. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's an honor. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> and uh, we wanted to have Zach on because no one I have ever met in my whole life is more passionate about a single video game than Zach. He lives and breathes and uh, just spreads the gospel of Kingdom Hearts. And so as we're recording this, it's not out yet, but as you're listening to this, the the newest and final Kingdom Hearts game has been released. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you're listening to this, Zach has been playing nonstop for the last 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> but before that happens, um, we wanted to kind of just talk to him and get some ideas because Derek and I both have no idea what really Kingdom Hearts entails. We know it's a video game. We know it involves Disney characters. We know that it has quite the following, but we kind of wanted to do like a primer for people that had no experience of what this is. Um, just kind of sums it all up, gives some insight, and maybe you might even inspire some people to uh, to play. So go ahead and start. Give us the what is Kingdom Hearts in a nutshell, because I know you have like a, a simple, small answer, and then you have a more exaggerated answer. So start with the small one and then tell us the exaggerated. Yes. Um, okay, so to put simply, if you can imagine uh, a universe where each and every Disney movie uh, is its own world. It's kind of like its own planet, like floating in space. And uh, imagine that these planets or worlds are under attack of uh, this entity called the darkness. Kingdom Hearts is about this boy named Sora um, teaming up with Mickey, Donald, and Goofy and saving all of the Disney worlds from the darkness. And that's kind of like the simplest, easiest to understand way to uh, to put it. Obviously, it's more uh, complicated than that. There have been nine games, so it's gotten a lot more um expounded upon <laughs> since then. but at its core that's kind of what it's about you know darkness versus light and 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 you know yeah <laughs> so now the character sara you yes. said that is not an original character for this game that's that's a character that was previously created and then included into this world from Final Fantasy? No, actually. So a lot of people think that that's the case. Uh, the main Kingdom Hearts characters, which are Sora, Riku, and Kairi, um, they're like kind of like the trio, the three best friends that we kind of follow on this journey. They are completely and totally original characters. Um, and there are, are a few other original characters as well, but most everyone that you meet is either from um, uh Disney or Final Fantasy, but our main characters, our Kingdom Hearts original characters, there is a solid group of characters that are just Kingdom Hearts originals. Does that make sense? Yeah. And they've been in every version of it? Every version of the Kingdom Hearts games? Yeah. Yes, yes. So like Sora, Riku, and Kairi, every single Kingdom Hearts games. Um, We have uh, 
a couple of them derive a little bit like there's one game that's a prequel that happened 10 years before the first game and it's about three completely new people but they are connected to the main characters so no matter what it's it's never like even six degrees of separation they're always connected to that core group hmm. sora as i learned today voiced by Haley joel osment uh-huh oh, yeah wow. oh anakin surprise huh? yeah <laughs> was he anakin that is not Anakin. That's Okay, I was going to say, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> that's Jake Lloyd, I think is his name. No, Haley Joel Osment is Sixth Sense Kid. Oh, yes, that's, that's hashtag I see dead people. That's like um, <laughs> Matthew McConaughey and the guy from Sweet Home Alabama. Like, you think they're yes. the same, but they're not the but same. Yes. Uh, what is his Josh Lucas? Or is that someone else who looks exactly like them? Yeah, you're right. Well, anyways, um, so now you said that the darkness is trying to take over the kingdom, uh, the different worlds of of, the, of Disney. Yeah. How does this all come about? Um, okay, well, uh, so that, uh, you know, again, kind of going back to that whole, you know, recurring theme that you see in, you know, most things, good versus evil, darkness versus light. Um, so think of the darkness as this this um, entity that um, it, there's, there is darkness and there is light, and there are people who use darkness for, obviously, for the wrong reasons. So it's like evil people are more inclined to use darkness, just like good people are more inclined to use light. Um, so our Disney villains kind of harness the power of the darkness, and they're the ones who use it. And all of the Disney villains are like, oh yeah, we're gonna use this power to rule all the worlds, whereas there's kind of a more grand puppet master who they are the ones who want control. So even the Disney villains don't realize that they're kind of being manipulated. Um, and uh, this person's goal is to kind of cover everything in darkness and kind of cause it all to begin again. So, you know, again, without like expounding on it too much and getting into all the nitty gritty, that's a nice little short version. So um, then then our hero, Sora, 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 yes. Sora uh, joins up with Pluto. No, Me, uh, Donald, Donald and Goofy. Donald yeah. and Goofy are like yes. the main sidekicks. Yes, exactly. So uh, Mickey, ironically, Mickey is not even in the first game until the very end. Uh, it's very much so uh, while Sora was off on his adventure, meanwhile, Mickey was doing this. Um, and at the beginning of the game, Mickey asks Donald and Goofy to find the key, which is Sora, who literally has a giant key. Uh, <laughs> at the beginning of the game, uh, Mickey leaves a letter to Donald and Goofy saying, hey, we're not going to be able to face this darkness if we don't find the key. Find this guy with the key and stick by his side. So Donald and Goofy follow him on his adventure to the world, saving each of them from the darkness. Okay. Have you found that the people who enjoy this game the most are like, super Disney fans or do you think it's accessible to anyone and it just happens to feature a lot of Disney characters? I would definitely say that it's accessible to a lot of people. It's one of those games where it's got a, a nice, for me personally, from what I have observed, it's got a pretty broad range of difficulty. Like there's an easy setting, which is great because if you play on that, it's like baby's first video game. And then it has a hard mode that's like a lot more challenging. Um, and beyond that, like it's got a great story that kind of transcends no matter what age group you are. There's something in it for everybody. You've got the Disney characters if you're in it for the Disney. But even if you take that out, it's got such a good core story. You fall in love with these characters. You laugh with them. You cry with them. Um, you 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 want them to succeed, and you want to see what happens to them. So there's definitely something in it for everybody, I would say. Okay. What platform is this on? I don't even know. Okay, so... <laughs> God, it's so hard to, like, talk about it without, like, not, like, 
going off on a tangent, <laughs> especially with like with questions like that, because Kingdom Hearts started on the PlayStation 2. Uh-huh. And then, so Kingdom Hearts 1 was on the PlayStation 2, and Kingdom Hearts 2 was on the PlayStation 2, right? And everyone's like, oh yeah, I only played 1 and 2, because like they were on the PlayStation 2. Everybody had a PlayStation 2 growing up. But then, as time went on, the creators of the game said, you know what? We need to expand. And so there was a game on, on the Game Boy Advance called Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories that happens in between 1 and 2 that nobody played. And the people who did play, they didn't enjoy it as much because of the battle system, but that's another story. Uh, so there was a, a game that was on the Game Boy Advance. There were like three games that were on the Nintendo DS. There was a game that was on the PSP. And I think that's kind of where they lost a little bit of their fan base. When people ask about Kingdom Hearts, they're intimidated because they see that there's nine different games across like five different platforms. And so it was really, really hard to keep up, you know, and a lot of people wouldn't go out and pay $200 for a new Game Boy just to be able to play the new Kingdom Hearts game, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, as far as the characters go, I was curious about, okay, so online they've already released the voice cast, and a lot of them are the actual cast or the actual voice actors of the characters but are yes. there ever are there ever surprises like are there ever characters who you get to a certain level and it's like hey so and so just showed up he wasn't released yes and no i so if you <laughs> so uh again the the worlds are kind of divided up um by you know each Disney movie. So like if you arrive at the Olympus Coliseum, you already know that you're going to meet all the different characters from Hercu from um, from the movie Hercules, you know? Um, but they do a really good job of kind of like waiting until the last second to reveal some characters. Kind of where a lot of that comes into play is because we mentioned before, there are a lot of um, cameos from Final Fantasy characters. I think that's kind of what Square Enix, the game's developer, I think that's what they kind of try to keep in their back pocket is because a lot of their fan base, to go back to your earlier question, a lot of their fan base, I do think, kind of came over from their Final Fantasy fan base. Mm -hmm. A huge selling point for them was, play this game because the main character, Final Fantasy VII, is in it, and more. Um, so I've had a lot of, again, so Kingdom Hearts 3 has not come out yet, but by the time this airs, it will have. Right now, in this moment, I am 100% sure that there's a whole slew of characters, both Disney and Final Fantasy, that we don't even know are going to be in it yet. So that's just my personal theory. It could be wrong, but we'll see. And which characters are coming out in Final Fantasy three that you know already because you've shown me some of the trailers right so that's actually a really really interesting question so in kingdom hearts one and two they made this big point of being like whoa play this because it's got final fantasy characters in it but in all of the trailers for kingdom hearts three i don't think we've seen any yet you've only seen disney characters we've only seen disney characters so i think either one of two ways, and I would be happy either way, honestly, because Kingdom Hearts 3 is kind of rounding out the main plot of the series. They might have more games later, but those would be very, very small side games that have nothing to do with the plot so far. They'd be completely new things. So my theory is, is that this game could either be just just our Disney characters, just our Kingdom Hearts original characters to kind of bring it back to like what it's all about, or B, there are Final Fantasy characters in it, and they just don't want us to know yet. They want them to all be a surprise. Mm -hmm. When did Kingdom Hearts 2 come out? Do you know? I want to say Kingdom Hearts 1 came out in 2002. Uh, yes, Kingdom Hearts 1 came out in 2002. Kingdom Hearts 2 came out in 2005? Five. Five. Oh my word. That is so many Disney characters in between then and now. Yeah, exactly. And again, we've had um, several games since then, but they've been like 
I don't I don't want to say that they're because all of them are integral to the plot, but they've been like, you know, on other platforms and they've been deemed like smaller. So like, you know, Kingdom Hearts 2 had like Mulan and Lion King and The Little Mermaid. Uh, and then we had uh, Kingdom Hearts 3D, which came out on the DS afterwards that brought in games that we never even thought would be in it. Like The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Fantasia, hmm. Tron, Tron Legacy. Like, you know, <laughs> so I think that especially with this game and with all the technology that we have available to us now and with all of the movies that have come out since, there's who knows? Who knows? You know, well, we know we know Big Hero 6. Yes, we know Big Hero 6. Frozen. Mm-hmm. And then there was another one too, right? Uh, so we've got um, the ones, and so the, so currently, as of this moment, um, they have said this is the complete worlds list. But again, like I'm a big believer that they're probably going to surprise us. I hope that they are. But so far, I believe that our world list is, as far as Disney worlds go, we've got um, Hercules. Um, you said earlier, Big Hero Six, Big Hero Six. Frozen. Pirates of the Caribbean, that's a big one. Oh my gosh, that one looks beautiful so far. I'm just saying. Um, Winnie the Pooh, uh, I know that there are more. I just can't think of them right this second. I know that there are others, though. Now, I saw something a few weeks ago where they opened some sort of temporary pop-up place in Disney Springs. Explain what that was, and did you go to it? I did. I went to it twice. <laughs> um, so, yes. Uh, what it is, is it's a it's a demo. And at first, I thought it was going to be this brand new original exhibit. But from what I have been led to believe, it was a touring exhibit. So I think it was in New York for a little bit. I think it was in Tokyo for a little bit. And it's kind of like traveled around the world. And I think where they want it to end up is in Disney Springs. And then obviously, when the game comes out, it'll, it'll be finished. Uh, but what that was exactly is they had some things on display. It was in part a little, uh, you know, buy our merchandise. But aside from that, it was also a play test. Um, when you uh, you could sign up to either play it on the PlayStation 4 or the Xbox, depending on your preference, because surprise, this game is also going, it's going to be, a, this is the first one I think that has been on more than one platform. Every game before this has just been on one. This one's going to be on the PS4 and the Xbox. And uh, once it was time for your time slot, you could choose to start in either uh, the Olympus Coliseum, which is Hercules' world, or you could start in the uh, the toy box. That's right, Toy Story. Toy Story and Monsters, Inc. Those were yeah, two yeah, more yeah. than okay. right. There we go. Uh, or you could start in the toy box. And it wasn't the entire world. It wasn't that entire section. They had a very, very small, um, predetermined chunk of the game that you could play. But uh, they were only moments of the of the game that we had seen so far in trailers. So if you didn't get to go to that preview, you're not missing out on anything if you've kept up with all the trailers. It was just a moment to test out the gameplay. Now, Derek mentioned that was at Disney Springs. Has there been any other Kingdom Hearts-related things in the parks at any time since its incarnation in 2002? In my experience growing up coming to the parks, I had not seen much. Um, I've heard a lot of it's a lot of it's hearsay. I tried to do a little bit of research beforehand myself, but a lot of it didn't come up, which makes me think that I'm I was more or less right. I don't think that we have had any Kingdom Hearts-themed attractions or events. However, um, I do know that uh, as far as merchandise goes in the Japan Pavilion, uh, recently they got a whole slew of like backpacks and uh, uh, small handheld bags uh, to buy. And uh, there was... Um, there's an outfit that Mickey wears, uh, which is a black cloak, which they call his Organization 13 cloak. Um, and there was a pin of him wearing that that was available for oh, a wow. very limited amount of time. It was like a pin trading pin. And uh, it's not on the shelves anymore, but I remember like walking around the parks looking, being like, that's it? That's all we've got? 
Um, aside from that, Donald and Goofy and Mickey all have their Kingdom Hearts outfits that they occasionally will wear in the parks, but that's so rare. It's only for special events. And I have heard of uh, Sora came out for a um, – he came out for a convention event one time to my knowledge. I'm sure that he's been out more than once, but I've only heard of one particular time of him coming out. This is a way bigger deal than I <laughs> thought at first. I mean, especially since Kingdom Hearts 2 came out over a decade ago. Like, people have been waiting for this for a long time. And then this is the final incarnation, like we said, of this uh, series, as far as the characters go. Now, you, you had mentioned before you think that they may branch off into other characters. Sure, sure. And I don't, I mean, you know, I don't want to, you know go off on my own speculations too much, but um, I know that the developers, they have said, this is the end of this saga. The main villain, the one who's been causing trouble for the, because spoiler alert for, not not, not literally spoiler alert, but um, it's been the same overarching antagonist for all nine of the games so far. And in this 10th game, so ironically, Kingdom Hearts 3 is the 10th game. In this 10th game, he will finally be brought to justice, however that may be, and he will no longer be a villain going forward. And I think that if they were to come out with more games, that would be an excellent opportunity for them to like start maybe incorporating like maybe Star Wars, maybe some Marvel, because I think that they weren't able to do those things in the current storyline, you know? Mm -hmm. So there might be other games in the future, but that's not for sure. Well, I hope it lives up to your expectations. Oh God, I hope I hope so too, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it, though. I think I think that it will. They they haven't disappointed me yet. So, good. yeah. Well, final question. Unless Derek has more, do you have any more questions? Mm-hmm. Okay, for the final question here, just because I want to kind of wrap it all up. Sure, absolutely. It's such a you, you're such a hardcore fan. <laughs> the last. Uh, 17 years of your life this is gosh wow part of i hadn't actually put a number on it but i think (laughs) i think that's about right yeah wow so how has that influenced your uh i guess your disney fandom your love of of the the disney parks and disney things and just your life in general how has kingdom hearts like impacted that what does it mean to you um it's a very deep question that's a very deep question i remember watching the Disney Channel growing up, and they had, I don't know if anybody remembers this, the Disney Secret Labs. Like, do you guys remember those little commercial breaks where it would be like this kid with a camera, you'd never see him, it was always from his camera's perspective, and he would walk in, and he would go, computer, what's the newest development in the Disney Secret Laboratories? And the computer would be like, now don't downloading files on Kingdom Hearts. And then I think that there was another one that was like about the Disney Mania CDs. Do you guys remember that? Uh, Derek grew up in poverty, so he didn't have Disney <laughs> Channel, but... Uh... <laughs> I, I don't. I think that might have been a little. Uh, I was a little older. At Maybe you're a little. Time, okay. But, okay. Uh, well, I understand the sentiment. <laughs> I remember seeing those commercials and just thinking, like, because in the previews and it showed, it just showed clips of, um, of Sora with, uh, with uh, standing alongside Tarzan and Aladdin and, um, a couple of the princesses, and I just remember thinking to myself, I'm like, wow wow, what a cool idea for like a crossover. And I didn't know anything about Final Fantasy at the time. I didn't know anything about this game developing company or anything. I just thought, oh my gosh, this is a video game about a kid outliving my fantasy, which is being able to go and visit these characters in their home and 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 helping them overcome their struggles. Because 90% of the game is like when you go to, um, when you go to Aladdin, 
you have to defeat Jafar, you know, like it finds a way to weave our characters into that movie's story, you know, and I just thought like, what a concept, you know? Um, and I think that it influenced me a lot because especially nowadays, and I've gotten to watch Kingdom Hearts evolve in this way as well, but you know, video games aren't just about like press a button to do the thing anymore. It's, it's evolved into this experience a lot like movies where it's not just about like what's happening. It's about, how it's presented it's about how it sounds how it looks how it feels you know to create this whole experience it's 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 like a form of art you know i think that that has um heightened my standards for how i take in and and, and appreciate a lot to do with the world around me um there we go there we go we'll go with that it heightened my standard for how i i perceive video games in general because you know it's just it's a really really high quality game Man, Kingdom Hearts, sign this guy <laughs> on as your sponsor. <laughs> I went, oh my God. Hey, you know what, guy? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Zach, for joining us. No, thank and, you for having uh, me. Maybe you've inspired somebody to begin their journey with Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, I hope so. Any questions, like, y'all let me know. I'm, I'm literally here anytime. Literally, literally anytime. I, I, if I could get paid to talk about Kingdom Hearts, I'd do it. <laughs> All right, well, that is what's new at Walt Disney World and around the Disney Universe for the month of January. Uh, thanks, of course, to Zach for joining us. Listeners, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. But until then, if you want to reach us online, you can always do so at comments at madchatters.net. That's our email address. We respond pretty commonly to emails. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Mad Chatters, And we'll see you next time. Hey, take a little time to find the magic in every day. I'm Derek, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jeremy. Hey, I want to tell you about this new festival called Firefest that's coming. I think you'd really be interested, Derek. Are you being facetious or for real? Because I've heard of that fest and of the movie that's about to come out about it. No, I'm being a little facetious. Um, And they're both out, both documentaries, and I've watched them both, and they're really good. Okay. But I don't know what the festival is. It's like F-Y-R-E, right? Yeah, it was that, you don't remember this? It was that big, like, festival that, like, bombed, like, hugely bombed. Oh, no. Oh, you've got to watch it. It's so good. Check out Netflix and Hulu. Both of them have competing documentaries. Personally, I thought the Hulu one was better, but uh, they're both good. All right. Not how I expected to start this episode of the podcast, but there you go. Well, if you knew what it was, I figured you'd like chuckle because it was I was being facetious. But since you didn't know, oh. there was no chuckle, and then it would led into an awkward explanation. But yeah. whatever. Let's reset. Let's reset. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> How do I sound? Is my microphone plugged in? <laughs> yes. The sound quality was so bad. Yeah. No one complains. Oh, well, that's right. And if they do, they'll be like, this is free. So Exactly. That's my thing. <laughs> you want to start paying money? We'll make sure the mic's plugged in. <laughs> <laughs>